ever since I started working, which was about over seven years ago, you know, actually an adult, you know, with a full-time job, I, I always worked a lot. You know, for example, for me, I felt like if I wasn't working over 40 hours, I wasn't doing justice to like my work or the organization. And I don't know if this is just an internalized thing that I have because I'm, I'm in the nonprofit industry that, you know, you're in the nonprofit industry because you care about a certain cause and it's not just a nine to five job. Right. Mm. So, so I've always had this idea that um, you you do need to be able to do work whenever it's needed. I mean, with some parameters, of course. But uh, I think my work-life balance, I think it's okay. But um, I also love working. Is that weird? I don't, I don't think it's weird. I mean, I like working. Do you think it's better, like, working from home? Or do you think it, it was oh. better in the office? Oh, you know, I think just before the start of the pandemic, around like February, 2020, I was terrified of working from home. I was really against it. You know, I had never done it before. And I thought, no, I just. You had no, you had never taken like a a day to work from home. Like you, you never. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. We just didn't have a work from home. We didn't have a work from home option in, in the places I worked at. Okay. March, I think, is March 13th is when we, was our last day in the office. Yeah, Friday the 13th. (laughs) Of course. And and it was really interesting working from home. At first, we, I don't, I mean, we really didn't think it was going to last that long. We didn't think it was going to be months. We just Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, maybe a few weeks, whatever. Um, so we were we were cool. We were like, all right, fine, this is great. You know, I actually get to be home and work. And but then it kind of dragged on and on and on. And I noticed like, all right, I'm working more. I'm working way more, like later. So I actually think that I myself had a healthier work life balance while I was working in the office. You know, it's like you're more aware of like, okay, I need to actually get home. I need to fix dinner. I need, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you're not home, but when you are home, you're like, ah, that's sick and wait. Ah, I can run downstairs, throw something in the microwave or the oven, come back upstairs, keep working, you know, eat while I'm working. Like I've, I've realized now that the work-life balance that I had even before the pandemic was still not really balanced. So you know, it's interesting because, uh, well, do you think uh, work-life balance and how people view it differs from generation to generation? So we're both millennials, right? Yeah, I. it's probably true. Well, I mean, I think it, it's generation to generation, but also the type of work that you do. Like some industries just traditionally, they're like, should be focused on your work. It's your life. Well, you know, it's interesting because nowadays there's a lot about um, work-life balance, having these mental health days, relaxation yeah. days. Also, yeah. ideas about going uh, for a four-day work week. But at the same time, for some reason, I feel like there's still this expectation or there's this um, like societal positivity towards working a lot it it just it's almost as if you're working over 50 60 hours a week you're seen as productive effective and if you're tired that tiredness is because you're working so much it's like you're you're doing the hustle I like the idea of putting in and I don't want to say extra effort you know but like you're you're pulling your weight, like you actually are working, right? So to me, like, yeah, just doing simply 40 hours, sometimes I do get a little like, I'm not, not upset, but I'm just like, oh man, I only did 40 hours this week. <laughs> yeah. 
So if I do like a little over 40, I'm a little happier. If I get to 45, I'm like, okay, that was good. Once it starts to get to like 50, 55, 60 hours, then I'm like, okay, this is a little much. Well, what do you think Um, happens when they don't find something else to do and work is their life? Because maybe it gives them a sense of like pride. You know what? That's the thing. You, You are missing out on life. You're missing out on something. This should not be your life. You should not be killing yourself for work. You feel like young people or, you know, people like us, we are, I guess we're a little bit narrow-minded. We're not seeing the full picture. Like what's going to happen down the line, right? Yeah, it's very short-sighted. And and that's the thing that, I mean, it happens to women, especially when it comes to like corporate work, right? Or office work. Um, Yeah. Because the focus is on your career. So you kind of get wrapped up in that and then you're 35 and you're like, oh crap. (laughs) Well, I hope that doesn't happen to me because I'm kind of like that. I'm not a corporate person, but. No, I mean, it doesn't need to be corporate, but yeah, you know what I mean? It's just one of those those things that happens. Well, you know, speaking about the work-life balance, uh, Carol definitely has something to say about that because she worked for the MTA for what, over 20 years? That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah, and she has a lot to tell us, uh, especially the younger people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like a a clear message, something that applies to everyone, everybody's life, especially if you're young, just starting out at work. Uh, I think that what she has to say is is really important. Some great funny stories, too, though, obviously. Um, (laughs) Oh, the MTA, you know, you see a lot of weird, crazy stuff. Hi, Carol. Tell us about yourself and your life. My name is Carol. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Um, moved out to New Jersey in 1990. Um, I like it out here. I love it out here, actually. I lost my parents when I was very young and three of my four brothers. But, you know, I, I don't think I let that hold me back. I worked for the New York City Transit Authority for over 30 years, which was nice. I mean, it was, it had its moments. I'll give you that. Uh, I am currently looking for a part-time position because I retired when I was about 56, 57. That's too young. And you can't just sit around waiting for life to happen. You have to make it yourself. And um, that's one regret that I have with working over 30 years for the transit authority is that I, um, committed myself to my job and nothing else. Um, when I was hired, I had lived in Brooklyn, so commuting was not a problem. But when I moved out here to New Jersey in 1990, now I had to take a train and, you know, New Jersey transit is wonderful, but they're not so reliable at 4.15 in the morning because that's the train I had to catch. And I had to, you know, wake up about 2.30, 3 o'clock, make sure I leave my house by 3.30, 3.45 to catch the 4.15 train and then not get home until like 3.34 o'clock. It doesn't leave you much time to do anything. So... It was like that was my life, was my job. And I I made no time for nothing else. So I'm unmarried. I have no children. Um, I do have male relationships, but not to any serious depth like I would like to have. And that's a regret that I have, a major regret, because now at 61, Um, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to come by and, you know, I have no children. So, you know, it's like being by yourself 24 seven, um, and nobody to fall back on, which would be nice. I mean, it it would really would be nice to 
have somebody you can rely on and talk to. And not to say I don't have that with some of the male friends or female friends that I have, but it would nice. It would be nice to have somebody constant in your life. And that's the biggest regret that I have is that I made no time for a personal life. I waited for myself to retire to make a personal life. Well, now it's like you're playing catch up. Well, I didn't do this and I didn't get to do this. You didn't get to do it because you chose not to do it. You had an option. You did have an option and I chose not to go with it. I was like, well, no, I'll, I'll work. I'll make the overtime. I'll make the money. I'll live a good life. Well, what is, a, you can make all the money in the world. If you can't enjoy it, what is the sense? It, it doesn't make no sense. You know, I mean, that sounds kind of down and depressing, but I mean, it's not like I don't have a life, but especially now during a pandemic, <laughs> okay, it's, it's a lot different. It's, it, it's a lot different. And, you know, to be quarantined in a house by yourself is a whole lot different than when you're with somebody. And I, I don't care how much you argue, all relationships, people argue. So it's not, you know, arguing is only for a certain group. No, it's not. You can argue with anybody, but it's having them there physically, emotionally, mentally, that that's what I, I regret and I missed out on. And I have nobody to blame for myself because I was given many opportunities and just refused to. Why don't we go out to dinner tonight? Or why don't we go to the moon? And I'm like, no, because I got to get up early in the morning, go to work. To hell with that. Live your life. And I wish my younger self can, can you know, my self now can talk to my younger self and say, you don't realize 30, 40, 30, 20, 30 years from now that this is probably going to be a lifesaver for you and you should go with it. And no, it didn't go that way for me. And, you know, and the funny thing is, is that I'm, I'm really not the only one. I, I know other women who are like, who are, who are in my position. Not too many though. Thankfully they didn't go that route. But um, it's it's not a good route I would recommend to anybody. If if you're young, enjoy your time because it's going to slip on by before you know it, and there'll be nothing there for you. Geez, now I need a tissue to cry. Oh Lord. Um, but you know I would say that. Wow, you know it's funny, but it's not. It's not when you when you get right down to it and you talk seriously about it. So many mistakes, careless mistakes that I made, and no, you know I'm not going to say mistakes. Choices, choices that I made that I regret, that I wish I could take back, and there's nothing I could do. But I can start from today. I can start from today. Um, I've actually been on match.com and I met a really couple of nice guys. Maybe something will become of that. I'm I'm hoping. You know, um I, I'm not looking to jump into bed with anybody right away, but you know, being so independent for so long, you feel that you don't need anybody. Um I don't need you. I have a car. I don't need you. I have a condo. I don't need you. I have money in the bank. That's no, you need more than that. You just don't realize it when you're young. Okay? You don't realize it cuz you feel like you you your your superpower you have a superpower and that nobody can touch you and that you're in Teflon. Get out of here. Nobody is that. No. You need a life. And no matter who you get that from, man, woman doesn't make a difference. Somebody needs everybody needs to be grounded everybody. And when you can't find that, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so independent now for so long that I don't know how I would even react in a relationship one-on-one -on -one at this point. I mean, I would hope I would do the right thing and learn from all the mistakes, well, learn from the mistakes I made, but that's, that's what I can only hope for. Uh, you know, just go out there and enjoy whatever time I have left.
And if it's playing catch up, then you know what? Then I'll play catch up. I'll be fine with that. So. It seems like you're starting your life again in a way. Would you say so then? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Absolutely. And like I said, if I had could talk to my younger self, I would be like, you're wasting these years. You're wasting them. So yes, I am starting a new chapter. And before the pandemic, it was going smoothly. Believe me, I, I, I had, I've met so many great people, so many nice people. So playing the catch up was okay at that point. Absolutely. But now it's just a realization of all the regrets that you have. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a hurtful truth. It's a hurtful truth. And, and I, I, I don't have anybody to blame. I really don't. And, you know, it's funny because one of my brothers once said to me, you know, you're never going to get married. You're too mean. But I think he meant I was too independent. That's what I think he meant, he meant to this day. And I'll always believe that. Because, you know, saying, I don't need you, I'll do it myself, is being independent, not mean. It's interesting how being independent as a woman can be seen as mean and not having a life. Do you feel like if you were a man, it would have been different? Um, I don't know. I, I really, I really don't. Um, because I was so focused on my life and I was so focused on my life and, and career that I, I never really thought about being a man and it, it would be different. You know, um, I remember because I was so focused and independent that a lot of people, you know, a lot of my people in my job would say, oh, she must be gay. Well, first of all, who would give a, who, who would care? So what? If you have a man, a woman, I could care less at this point. I'm dying for interaction. That's number one. Um, number two, a man wouldn't get that. A man would never get that kind of feedback. Never. So maybe in a way, maybe in a way a man would be treated different. The only thing with my job is because it was a city job, we were all on the same pay scale. So, you know, it wasn't like he was making more than I was. We were on a leveling, we were on a level play field. But aside from the other things, maybe, perhaps. Yeah. So let's talk, let's go back a bit and talk about the MTA. So how did you get the job at the MTA? Um, a great uncle of mine was a track worker who was retired and he kept trying to get me to take the test. Um, cause my father had passed away in 1980 and 81, 82, the test came out. And the first time I took it, I passed, but if you didn't get over a 90, you might as well forget about it. Um, for a railroad clerk. Cause that's where I started. I started as a railroad clerk. Um, when I took it the second time, I actually scored very high. I remember my, my test score was like 98.66666, um, which was very good. And um, I was hired in uh, February of 1986. And it, I started in the booth selling tokens, which they had at the time. And um, I was promoted to supervisor in uh 1990 1990 and um uh the promotion was um you had to take a test with a written essay and actually the essay was almost as important as the as the questions they asked you um and once i became a supervisor oh my god my life was a whole lot different because now, when you called me and told me I had to come in, I had to come in. I couldn't tell you I lived in Jersey. They would be like, you work for the New York City Transit Authority. Did somebody tell you to move out to Jersey? So I always kept prepared. 
I made sure I, if I knew it was going to snow, I packed a bag and I stayed over relative's house in the city. So I wouldn't, I, I, they could never, whether it be Staten Island, Brooklyn, mostly Staten Island. I was in the five boroughs. That's all they wanted to know. Are you in the five boroughs? Yes, I am. Um, I drew, I actually drove through the eye of Hurricane Sandy to get to work. Um, I had to wait for the eye to come over. Otherwise, I would have never made it. I, I don't know if I would have made it, actually. Um, because with everything swirling around and everything and the flooding, um, I had to wait for it to calm down and the eye to be over. And I, I, that that was ridiculous. And then I had to rent a hotel, which they never paid back. Well, I, I never expected them to, so... Many snowstorms, so, rainstorms. So, I mean, you guys are fully operational at the time for Superstorm Sandy? Yeah. Um, it depended where you are. Like, there's a lot of underground stations. Yeah. Um, so, depending on if there was major flooding, the trains would flow. Of course, if you were above ground or elevated stations, then that would be no problem. It, it depended where the stations were, and they would run, you know, to a certain amount, a point, just like if there's a snowstorm, you know, that, you know, the underground is going to keep going. So you just got to make it there. But yes, they'll go 24 seven if they can. Wow. Now I hear they don't. Now that I've retired, I've heard so many different stories now, how it's changed that I'm kind of grateful I'm not there. They did not care if, if it snowed. They did not care if it rained. They can call an emergency for ice. If there was ice conditions, they would call an emergency. Uh, they called snow emergency at 6 p.m. when the snow didn't even start till 6 a.m. the next morning. They, they wanted to make sure that you were at work. And, you know, there became a time where you were stressing me out over snow and I couldn't take it no more. Now I'm calling out sick as, as, as I had my years, 25, 26, 27. I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm not coming in during a snowstorm anymore. That ship has sailed. You know, you're stressing me out over snow. And when I was younger, I, you could do it. But as I got older, no, not anymore. As you got older, you didn't take the bullshit as much. Right. And, and you were ab able to like leverage your position and right. you knew what you wanted. Um, so it seems like this job, definitely not a nine to five. You were expected to be on any time. And was this because of you being a supervisor? Yes. Yes. Because my brother was a bus driver and he didn't have the same conditions. Um, and a railroad clerk who my best friend is. She, um, she's not under those conditions. Once you take that next step and the next step is even, is even, was even more horrible at the time because I was a level one supervisor. If I had taken the next step level two, now they have control over where you work. So I'm living in Jersey. You can have me work all the way up in the Bronx. I'm like, no, that's not going to work for me. I'm not working up in the Bronx. So that's why I stayed where I was. I was covered by a union, you know, union rules. You couldn't just toy with me, you know, and I, I, I was kind of safe. But if I had taken that step, it's, it's, they own you. I, I couldn't, they give you a beeper, a cell phone. I'm a, no, I don't want, I don't want none of your property. I have enough of it. You know, I have books. I'm still getting rid of every once in a while I'll go through something, uh, uh, my, my paperbacks and I find a, a transit book and I'm like, what is this doing here? I don't need no more transit books. Those days are over. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I don't see myself going back and I actually can go back as an advisor or system safety when they uh, offer out work. I like can. a consultant? Yes. Now, I, I don't know if I would call it a consultant, Jandy. I think I would call it more like um, the transit authority hires outside contractors to do work. I would show up with the contractors to make sure you're following transit rules. There are certain things you can't do. 
You can't hang over the tracks. You can't put debris, shovel, like sweep any debris you leave onto the tracks. You know, things like that. So I would call it more system safety than I would a consultant. So this this must have been a very stressful job being a supervisor. Um, What made you just want to keep doing it? Because every day is different. Not, not one day is the same. As time went on, I chose it to be the same, but you know, there's different agencies in the transit authority and I could have worked at the command center where you handle the emergencies and stuff like that. And, and, and people fall onto the tracks or whatever the case may be. Um, but I chose not to do that because to me, that would be even more stressful. You know, people get shot and people, especially during the holidays, jump in front of the trains. Um, very sad. And, 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 and station agents, clerks being killed and just, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. I did that earlier, earlier in my supervisor career. But as time went on, I knew it wasn't for me. I, you know, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't handle it. I, you know, I would, you know, I would listen to people's phone calls when they would call me up and, you know, um, can I have an emergency day? I just, you know, my daughter just found a, a, a lump in her breast and I would be able to, of course, of course, cause you know, you have to have empathy and you know, of course you can have the day off. And, you know, they would have you crying on the phone with them. And then a few days later, they'd call you back, which was nice. And it, it was nothing. It was nothing. It was just assist. And you would be so happy you'd be crying again with them. You know, so I, I, I couldn't keep doing that. I, I, you know, the job, you know, not in that section. So I mostly worked with cleaners and clerks assigning them their jobs trying to help with their problems that they had in the booth you know I need more rubber bands uh you know I I need more singles I don't have enough singles I don't have enough change you know stuff like I'd rather do that but that is as I had more time on the job I I you know worked in different areas almost all areas as supervisor they when you first start out as a supervisor, I guess they don't want you to get too comfortable. So, and plus the job you pick is not going to always be available. So, you know, it's not always going to be something that you want, I should say. So, you know, I moved around a lot. I did different things. I worked with the teams that cleaned the stations, you know, but mostly I was up in the command center, in the assignment center. But, um, you, you know, like you see in the taking of Pelham one, two, three, that's how it really is. But there's different factions. There's the trains and, and the stations and the maintenance people and the police and the fire department. And they're all in that big area. Wow. So, you know, we've heard um, some of the sad stories on the job, but what are some of the funny stories? And I know you have a lot. Oh my God. There's a few, there's a few, but my favorite of all time is the gentleman who moved his house, moved his furniture on the train. And it started early in the morning. He started with a couch with a couple of friends, a friend or two, and they brought the couch. Then the love seat came after that. And then the entertainment center came after that. And then the TV. He literally moved his house. I finally, I said to him, I said, are, are you moving? And he said, yes. So, I mean, uh, I guess he couldn't afford whatever, but he was moving his stuff. I thought that was the funniest because you can actually see him all day. from the Like, I only worked eight hours, like from six to two. But I'll be damned. He literally moved his furniture. I mean, you know, I, I felt bad for him after a while. I was like, here's a couple of bucks. Can you buy them lunch? I, it was felt horrible for him. Um, <laughs> and then you have, and then you have the, the 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 people. Well, I had this cleaner. This guy call me up, and he's like, if it's 
if it's if it's 12 o'clock now and I want to go to sleep and the clocks go ahead, what time should I set my alarm? I, I didn't understand that question. Set your alarm. What does that have to do with the hour, with the time going ahead? But <laughs> you, you can't you can't reason with people like that. So you're like, okay, put your clock ahead. So one o'clock right now, it's 12 o'clock, put it ahead one o'clock and then set your clock for six and, and you should be okay. But, it, you know, it, it, you know, it's like, oh, is it raining out? Oh, okay. Will there ever be peace in the Middle East? What does that have to do with anything? It was sort of like that. That was like, no, that's not going to work. That and then our office parties were classic. I mean, <laughs> They were good for the most part. They were good for the most part. But I, I just don't understand if someone told you that your salad was good and nobody else wanted it because your salad is not the only thing that people wanted to eat. Trust me. Nobody wanted to bring meat. Everybody wanted to bring a salad. I'll make potato salad. I'll make macaroni salad. Why, why are you going to bring something up? No, everybody loves my macaroni salad. Everybody loves my potato salad. You're really passionate about this, aren't you? <laughs> because people wanted to bring cups and paper, uh, paper plates. I'm like, I, I can't eat that. I'm sorry. Can you bring something else? Can you bring <laughs> something else? And then the one, I don't know if he was being a smart ally. I, I, I don't want to know. He put, um, he made, he used a brain mold and he mixed cherry jello with milk and he put it in a brain mold and put it, uh, uh, put it out for people to eat. And he was wondering why nobody touched it. You, it looks like a brain. And my supervisor, my boss, comes over to me, my superintendent, and says, Carol, nobody's going to eat that. Can you cut a piece off and, and throw it in the garbage or something? And, you know, so to act like people. First of all, you want to ask, why me? <laughs> but, but second of all, you, 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 you know, you're like, why would you bring that and think people are going to eat it? So, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, uh, done by then, uh, done. I mean, and then, you know, I, it's like, wh what are you going to do? I, I mean, and then the stories of the, this guy who was in the booth and he had, um, he, uh, this guy comes up to his booth and sprays sh shaving cream all over the windows and leaves out two cutouts for his eyes. And he tells the guy, I was only playing a joke. Um, give me some paper towels and, and I'll wipe it off. And as soon as he opened the boot, the guy robbed him. And you know, when you get robbed by the transit authority, they want every penny of it back. Every penny of it back. One guy beat the system because he was robbed and what he did was he said, it takes you, it, it's one cent and a half to make these tokens. These tokens are not $2 until, well, it was a dollar then. These tokens are not a dollar until you sell them. So you cannot charge me a dollar for each token. These were not sold yet. And he got to pay them. I forget what it was, a dollar something instead of paying the full amount. So listen, that's, yeah, that was very smart on he, well, he was very smart. Um, you know, uh, what other, you know, uh, over and over again, you know, how people, you know, when you work with, uh, I think it was 14 people, you know, where I worked in, in one room, it's like, you know, uh, you have all these different personalities. You know, you would you would put food in the refrigerator, but you know when you came in in the morning, you go to lunch, it's gone. Well, why would you take someone else's food? Was it that a did, pasta salad? 
I have no idea. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. The, the parties that, um, uh, the, the chicken curry, I love chicken curry. This woman said she brought chicken curry. I said, well, where is it? She brought a bowl. I, I can't even, I, the bowl was like this small. I'm telling you, the size of an eight ounce glass. And I'm like, you're going to feed 14 people on that? How, how are you going to, you're going to turn wine into water or something next? What are you talking? I, I didn't get that. I did not get that to this day. You know, people never wanted to bring meat. And when they did, it looked like leftovers from last night's dinner. Like what? No, 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 no. Either that or they paper cups and paper plates or um, the one guy made chocolates. Well, he wasn't the cleanest guy in the world. No, nobody would eat the chocolates. And once again, my superintendent, listen, can you get rid of some of the chocolates? Cause nobody's going to eat them. All right. I have to get rid of the chocolates cause nobody's going to eat them. This guy is not clean. And then you have the people who um, call, I have no babysitter for my son. How old's your son? 17. Really? Really? <laughs> I don't mind helping people out. I don't. Because like I said, you have to be a supervisor and you have to be empathetic. You have to be. Because you're going to hear a lot of stories. So, yeah. You know, you just the stories you, you heard, you just, you had to look at the phone like, really? Are you serious? You know, uh, we had, people would call that their dog died. Well, you know, I can understand a pet, you know, your dog died. You're emotional. I, I get that. I get it. I get it. I'll give you the day off, but I'll give it to you for the first day. I know you're going to be shaken up or heartbroken. I mean, you know, you have to temper it with, with mercy. You really do. And then you have, so, I mean, story upon story. And then we had adjustments we had to make. Sometimes we made mistakes and, you don't fool around with people's money. If you make an if you make a mistake and it's on you, make the adjustment. Let these people get the money. When they would call me up and I noticed I made a mistake, I would apologize, and I would say, you know, I would say to them, "Listen, I'm 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 sorry. Um, I'm going to make the adjustment. You'll get it on your next check. That's the best I could do. I apologize." One time. We got, uh, my superintendent gets this letter and it says third request. Now this person's waiting and we got paid every two weeks. They're waiting six weeks minimum already for an adjustment and goes up to the supervisor and said, this thing says third request. Why? So the woman grabs the and third request. I only saw it twice. Really? You only saw it twice and did nothing. You had to wait for the superintendent to bring it over to you for the third time. If you saw it twice, why didn't you make it the first time or the second time? Stupid things like that. And I just, all you could do is put your head down and laugh at these people. You're like, really? It doesn't take, it doesn't take that much. I, I, I never understand it. I, I just never, you know, when you walk, even when you walk in the street, people can tell if you have that transit shuffle because the transit shuffle is I get paid whether or not I'm working. Like if I have to go from one point to another, I'm on the clock. I'm going to get paid if I get there in a half an hour or an hour. It doesn't make a difference. So they call that the transit shuffle. Uh. They work certain way they walk they have this swag i don't know if i would call it swag they have this walk to them that you know they're not in a hurry i get paid i get paid by the hour not how many people i serve if you ever go to new york city can you pick out someone who has a transit shuffle oh yes i can yes i can it may take a while it may take a while And I'm not, and I don't mean somebody in a uniform, somebody in a un. if you see them in an MTA uniform and you, you watch the way they walk, that's the transit shuffle. They're not in a hurry, but if they are in a hurry, that means they're late back from lunch.
that's something yeah. different. <laughs> that's something entirely different. So I know you said that you've had uh, quite a few regrets, right? From choosing a life of a career and um, just the dedication you had to the MTA over your personal life and that you let some opportunities go. What sort of opportunities? First of all, getting married. Having a stable relationship for more than any certain amount of time. Because if I keep telling you I have to work, after a while you're getting tired of hearing that. Or um, having a baby. You know, um, I had a good friend of mine who said, don't worry if you have a baby. I'll watch the baby for you. And that was a very nice thought. But you were also still working. And I could never do that to somebody. Either I could pay for the the babysitter or then I can't work. That's how I looked at it. So I let that opportunity go by. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it's funny because I, I've said this story once before where uh, me and a friend, uh, we were in my bed. Uh, he, when he would come over, we never got dressed because we never know what we, were gonna, I mean, I guess we knew eventually what we were going to wind up doing, but we, we just never got dressed when we were in the house. Um, and we were in bed and, you know, just cuddling, talking, whatever. And he said that he did not know if he can be committed to this relationship. To this day, I think that was the most hurtful remark a man has ever said to me. Because, A, you're laying up in my bed. Number one. Number two, deep down, I knew what he meant because I wasn't committed. And I, I'll regret that because if I had been committed, I, I would not have worked all the overtime I did or I would not have felt that I was so independent. We would go food shopping. Um, and we would have to split the bill. That's how it had to be, according to me. And uh, when we went out to eat, we had to split the bill. That's how it had to be. It didn't have to be that way. If you wanted to treat me, then you wanted to treat me. If you came over my house because I cooked for you and you wanted to buy the food, I should have let you. Or if you wanted to take me out to eat because you spent the weekend at my house, I should have let you. So I, I have a, a, a ton of regrets over that, those things. So yeah, I have I have a long list. It, it would it would roll like a red carpet for real. It really would. Well, so it seems like you were independent to a fault. So. Do you feel like your definition of what it means to be independent has changed? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Every independent situation has a time and a place. And it's not, not everything is in concrete or not everything is in stone. So in that case, yeah, I, I truly believe that my, my view on independence has definitely changed. Has definitely changed. Did you, did you ever expect your life to turn out the way it did? No. No. Um, I never thought, my family was very close-knit. And then my mom passed away when I was very young, uh, when I was six. And then my father passes away when I was 20. So between that time, six and 20, we were very cohesive. So it was like you didn't need the outside world. You had your own little cohesiveness. 
But then when my father passed away and we're getting older now, I'm already 20. Now we're all over the place and we're not necessarily together. You know, that, that, that counted for a lot as well. That counted for a lot as well. Cause now you realize that you're on your own, but with being on your own, you're gaining independence. You know, I guess you always had the freedom, but um, you're gaining more independence. And you're unstoppable and you're untouchable. And yeah, when you're in your 20s and 30s, yeah, you think that. But that's not always the case. So I never thought that I would get a city job like this. I had gone for a lot of job interviews and mostly for um, white collar jobs, actually, you know, office jobs or whatever. And they just weren't interested in me. Um, because I had no experience. Uh, but the transit authority is a city job. So they're going to, they have to take anybody. So I became a railroad clerk and I guess I would have been happy with doing that for the rest of my life. And then an opportunity came um, through a friend of mine um, to be promoted, you know, to take the test to be promoted. And I did that. And so, no, I never thought my life would turn out like this. I, I never expected it. I, you know, time slips away before you know it. You, you don't think so, but it does. It's funny that you say that if you want to work for the city, they would take anybody uh, because you're not just anybody. No, 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 I get that. I do. Thank you. Um, I, it's, it's just that. If you pass their test and you pass their requirements, they really can't refuse you the job. But now it becomes, what do you make of that job? You have people who don't show up for work. Well, then you must not want the job. Who do a sloppy job. Well, you must not want the job. But if you apply yourself, you will be okay in a city job you will be okay. And it's got great benefits and, and um, vacation and a pension and a 401k. You can, you can do or go anywhere, depending on what the career might be, go up the stepladder and keep going higher. You know, um, I have a friend right now who um, started as a cleaner. He's now a supervisor. As he gets more experience, he can go to superintendent. Um, there's not too many jobs that offer that. So, you know, and, and to go from a cleaner salary, which I'm not really sure how much they make now. I'll be honest with you. So we'll say 40000 Well, to go and then become a supervisor, which is about $85,000, let us say. And then to go to superintendent, which is now 120000 that's a big leap. That is a very big leap and get all the benefits and everything for the rest of your life. It is. So, you know, all I would say is buy the chief. The New York makes that newspaper, the chief, and read it cover to cover. You never know. There might be that one job for you. But just don't let it become your life. That's all I would say. I'm interested in knowing who actually has made the biggest impact in your life off the job and then also on the job. Wow. Off the job. I would have to say one of, I have someone who watches my house, this woman in her early 70s, her and her husband watch my house. They had had the biggest impact on me because without, because I, I, I always worried about this woman. Like if I didn't see her in, in church, cause that's where I met her, I'd be like, well, where is she? Where is she? I'd be that she kept calling me family that now let's speed ahead years later. Her family actually considers me family. That's it. Bottom line, 
um, they have shown me that there are good people out there in the world. I don't want to start crying. That there are good people out there in the world who care about others. And um, even though I act that way to people, it's not always reciprocated. So it's nice to see that, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm usually not home for Christmas or Thanksgiving, but I always have an invite. It was nice on Easter to finally, after over a year, to go to their house because they all been vaccinated to go for Easter dinner. Um, they've had the big, the whole family. I'm not talking about just the couple who watch my place. Their whole family, I adore. And, and, and quite honestly, I can say right back that they adore me. And you do not find that. You do not. So they've had the biggest impact on me. Um, off the job, there's been, I mean, on the job, there's been a number of people. But I would have to say I had a good friend, Joyce who uh, passed away in 2003, um, had a very big impact on me, very big. Um, I don't think I would have even thought about becoming a supervisor, you know, if it wasn't for her, um, who also welcomed me into her family. And um, she, as whereas, you know, and maybe I shouldn't make this comparison, but it is what it is. Um, my girlfriend um, who watches my house is white. And this woman who had a very big influence on my life on the job is black and welcomed me once again into the house, brought me out to New Jersey. I would never think about living in New Jersey. That would never even cross my mind. I was a Brooklyn girl through and through. That was it. And brought me out to New Jersey. So changed my life in so many ways. I would never be here. I would never be in New Jersey. And I never would have progressed that far with the transit authority. I would have stayed right where I was. So, yeah, those are the two people I have to say that had the biggest influence over me. And she was my boss, actually. And we couldn't tell nobody that we had a friendship off the job. You know, I mean, uh, her kids knew and, and whatever, grandkids, but no, nobody else knew. Kind of incredible that she saw something in you that she just wanted to like push you and. I know. And I think I once asked her that. And she said, I, I don't know. I think sometimes you're very lonely inside. I, I see, I don't see you as a comedian all the time. I, I, I think there's some sort of sadness in you. And she was absolutely right. There was. Well, well you know what they say about comedians is that they're, the saddest folks out there. Well, thanks. I'll write that down. Dear diary. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write that one down. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> For whatever she saw, she took me under her wing and uh, her and her whole family. Goodness grief. And it, it, you know, once she passed away in 2003, you know, her family moved to Georgia um, I think her sister, I believe her sister's still here. And I see, I run into her every now and then, but it's a kind of different relationship than I had with her sister. So, but, you know, I'll always care about them, but, you know, not the woman who took me under her wings. That was a whole nother relationship, you know, because I, I would never even be moved out here to New Jersey. And I feel bad that she never saw that I was able to buy my own condo you know, she passed before then. Because I think she would have been proud. I know she would have. I'm sure she would have. Yeah, I think so too. Hmm. So why are you telling us the story? Well, to get, for people to get to know a little bit about me, I can be very closed off for one. Um, you know, where I guess my independence has now is, re is now relegated to the background. And I don't mind sharing my story. If I can help just one person 
in their 20s or 30s through my own mistakes. That would be great. That, that would be fantastic. I, I, I would love hearing from somebody 10 years from now. You know, I, I, I listened to you and, you know, you, you know, I didn't think you made sense at the time, but you know what? You really did. And it, it gave me, it was a wake-up call. Uh, that would be nice. That would be nice because I wish somebody would have done it to me. I feel like it's a wake-up call for me. Um, so the fact that, you know, you've had this experience and you were so ambitious and independent. Um, yeah, I see myself in you. And it kind of allows me to take a step back and have a more humbling view about like what I want in life. Yeah, because, it, you know, you may not get it, but at least you went for it. And that's the most important thing. I didn't even let myself go for it. You know, if I could say, well, this didn't happen and this didn't happen. All right. Well, as long as I went for it, but I didn't even try. And you don't want that. You don't want regrets. Who would want regrets? Yeah. And it seems like you regret the not trying, not the fact that you didn't get it. Right. Yeah. I didn't apply myself. I, I didn't apply myself, I, you know, and, and, and something, like I said, I wish my younger self would have said to me, but no, I mean, that I could have said to my younger self. But, you know, it's not all lost because no. you are, you are starting now. Yes. And that's something to be proud of because it is harder to start over at a later time in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, now not many of my friends who worked, who I worked with live in New Jersey. Um, some of them stayed in New York. Some of them moved out of state. Some of them are in Florida and, and Alabama, I think, and uh, the Carolinas. So they're not even close anymore. So, you know, I mean, now that you're retired, yes, you can travel and see them, but not during a pandemic, maybe after the pandemic, you know, so, so many, you know, opportunities to take advantage of now that, you know, I realized that it was not, that wasn't the way for me to go. Now I got to find an alternative way. And I guess in the journey of finding something that's its own unique process, right? Well, yeah, not, um, because now you got you have to decide what it is that you enjoy and what it is that you like or what it is you dislike and who you want to spend your time with. Um, I, I, I didn't realize how much I love trivia, but now I have a great group of trivia friends that I enjoy. I belong to a coffee club that I enjoy. The conversation rolls every single week enjoyable. And these are the things that I look forward to now. Um, I, I probably would have just passed by any of these things um, years ago, but now I'm not. I told a good friend of mine that uh, who travels a lot, you know, once this pandemic's over, wherever you go, I want to be attached to your hip. I want to, I'll, I'll, I'll hold both your legs together. I, I, I will not I am not, you're not leaving me behind anymore. You know, so many trips, another regret is going to Australia. She went and invited me. She invites me almost to every trip she goes. And I turned it down, just turned it down. And now I'm regretting it that now I told her, I'm holding on to your ankles. I'm not leaving. You're not leaving me behind. Uh, she likes cruises. I'm not too big on cruises. I would have to see. It would depend where you're going. But I'm not big on cruises. I want to get in a plane and get there in six hours. Uh, that's it. But um, anywhere else you're going, I'm there. I'm there. So, yeah, I'm not letting it pass me by no more. It's it's it, That's come to a complete halt. If I'm interested, I'll be there. If I'm not, then you know what? I'll let it go. But at least I, I gave myself an option. I didn't even give myself an option. Yeah, I mean, that's a really exciting way to live. 
which is which is nice to see that you're you know kind of going in this route that okay taking life by the horns yeah that <laughs> i was going to say something else but <laughs> i'm not i'm not a, i'm not a, a sitting in the back no more i'm now a participant which is a, is a great feeling you're is a great seat. feeling mm-hmm. yeah and i'm enjoying it I, I didn't think i would i'm sure moving out to new jersey had a lot to it because you know living in new york was very aggressive um and when i would go to work in the morning i would become a different person but now i'm steadily in new jersey so it's easy going and it flows and i love it so i'm no longer i am a participant through and through so do you have any i guess last words that you want to just say don't let life pass you by don't be don't be the candle in the wind be present give yourself an option be be present give yourself an option don't close any doors until you're ready to close them look look beyond i think that would be it no regrets you don't want to have any regrets thanks carol you're very welcome nice thank you for having me i feel like just listening to carol i've i've learned a lot and it it does make me think about you know what i want for my life and how i do want to spend the next 20 30 years yeah like i mean i'm i mean i obviously i would not want to spend the majority of my life alone without you know a meaningful relationship especially romantic which is not necessarily something that's i'm not one of those people that just like meets a bunch of people dates a bunch of people and all that kind of stuff right i'm just more i'm more of like a like really want to get to know you kind of a person so like obviously with work life balance trying to find someone and get to know them takes time Yeah. And Carol wants to tell people that just don't consume your life with work. Yeah. Because there is a potential, there is a possibility of regretting it. Like she did. I mean, yeah. You can keep going and then not even realize that you're you're missing out on something. Yeah. I don't know if this episode or if her story resonated with anyone. I just know it resonated with me just because I yeah. I do work a lot and I don't think about my f- future yeah. per se. Yeah, I mean that's the thing some people are like, "Oh, I'll put off having a family, I'll put off, you know, getting married, I'll put off like meeting someone." But how long can you do that? I mean, honestly, time flies before you know it. You're going to be like 40 and you're like, "Crap." I mean obviously if that's what you want if that's you know if you don't want any of that that's fine it's not it's not a requirement you know everybody's different but what it, basically it's not even about just even romantic relationships right it's about whatever it is you want to do or want to have try and do that while you can because honestly when you're like 70 are you going to really take that that trip to you know like the Cayman Islands What? You know I mean like you can. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you can't, but it's a different experience, you know, when you're a certain age as opposed to when you're younger. And it's like don't play catch up too much because then you won't be able to fit everything in. Yeah. Case it out. I mean, yeah, and and that goes for even other areas of life. Not even just work-life balance, just life in general. Find the time don't don't waste time find the means yeah don't don't get consumed by work or or any other part of life that just sort of really isn't as important obviously work is important but there are things that are a little more important 
On that note, I think I'm going to book a flight to Maine. Hmm. Why would you go to Maine? Because I want to see Stephen King. I thought you just wanted to see like lots and lots of trees. But uh, yeah, um, you, wait, you want to see Stephen King? Yes, I want to see Stephen King. Like, like actually see Stephen King? Yes, I want to see him drinking coffee around town. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's um, I think it's a great message that Carol had. And I, I definitely, it made me think for sure about my own life and, um, and reflect on, I guess, what, where I am. And especially even in the past year, when it comes to being, uh, going through a pandemic, right? And being in lockdown, I think that also helps you reflect. And I think it's actually a lot of people have reflected on it because they're like, some people are actually like quitting their office jobs or quitting their regular nine to five and they're doing their own thing. They're doing what they always wanted to do. I know plenty of people who have started their own, you know, small businesses or just really following whatever dream they actually had. Yeah. And that's brave because it's risky, but hey, yeah. Like Carol said, just no excuses. Yeah. Um, because you don't want those regrets. That's very true. Thanks for listening to Bound by the Cloak. See you next time. Well, we'll you'll hear us next time. We'll talk to you next time. Well, next time there will be a next time.